Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henzi, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways Podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicles, Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storytellerina, and tonight, as always, I'd like to start the show by thanking all of our wonderful, wonderful Patreon backers and all of our listeners. Thank you for your support of the show. We literally could not do this without you, and we appreciate your kind words, your listening ears, and your support. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast, where you can also find some interesting tidbits related to our coterie uh, that you won't otherwise get to hear. But if you would like to know more of their doings, you can check us out there. And now, before we get on to any shenanigans and dark deeds under the cover of night, let's have some introductions. So to my right. Yeah. Hi, this is Mike. I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. And it is time to roll out the barrel. Oh, my. And next to Mike, once again, we have... Hi, I'm John. I'm back. And I'll be playing your local clan gangrel representative, Sylvester La Violette. Welcome back, John. It's good to have you back at the table. And next to John... Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rom the Shaman of Clan Malkavian. And at the end of the table... Hi, this is Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich of Clan Toreador, and I got a bunch of shit I need to get done. So much. It never ends. And next to Ali. Hello, hello. My name is Bridget Jeffries, and I am playing Monica West of Clan Salubri. Indeed you are. And last but not least. Hi, this is Tiffany, and I play Alex Giovanni of Clan Hakata. So, it's been an interesting week, for all of you to say the least. William Mallet has not made a major reappearance into San Francisco after the rather shitty situation he found himself in a few nights ago. He's been holed up somewhere, a few of you know where. He's been busy, but uh, you've been taking care of some other things. There's been a lot of unrest in the kind population due to still having some drug on, drugs on the street, the weather, and various other things that happen in San Francisco around this time of year. And you all have things to do. It's a busy night after a week of more or less trying to figure out where all the pieces are fitting in. So let's start with Sylvester. Sylvester You've had a few days getting to know the lay of the land. 
somewhat literally, as a matter of fact, before you take on the job that Mariam gave you a few days ago. You've been hanging out in the park, talking to other local gangrel, watching the birds. Sylvie's been keeping an eye on you, as she was supposed to. But it's now time for you to actually do your job. And so you have done whatever it is Sylvester does to get himself ready for for a meeting, which is probably nothing. It's literally jack shit. Sylvester don't care. And uh, how are you announcing yourself to Baron Voss or setting up a meeting? Are you just showing up? Are you sending him a card? What is it that Sylvester does? He's not exactly the most uh, etiquette forward vampire, as we've seen. Sylvester is a really not a fan. He thinks it's more of a hindrance than anything else. So he is going to be just showing up. He knows the door guys. They know him. Unless the brew has, in which case they don't. But <laughs> Well, it you do know Esmeralda, but hmm. you show up on this particular night and there's a couple of very burly looking vampires and, in fact, an Esmeralda. She's in her normal fatigues. You remember her from all those years ago, pacing up and down, talking to the guys. It doesn't look like she's necessarily in charge of the door. She seems to be talking to them about something else that she needs done or that she's working on. Uh, But she whirls around as soon as she hears your footfall. And she just kind of peers into the dark and tilts her head and goes, that who I think it is? Uh, No, do you think it's the baddest motherfucker in San Francisco? No. As a cigarette, Bud Bud lights the night. (laughs) Well, then you're right. It's not. It is me, though. What's up, Esme? You fucking son of a bitch. Disappear for 20 fucking years and then just show up out of the middle of nowhere. And she actually laughs and she gives you one of those huge rib-crushing bear hugs that Esmeralda does very rarely. And she claps you on the back, goes... What are you doing here? Oh, I heard there's some work in town that you guys need a hand with, and I, uh... Mariam asked me to help this boss fella. So I, uh, I said I'd come make myself known and, uh, act as a in-between between himself and all the gangrel of SF. She blinks very slowly. You're the fucking gangrel rep. You... Yeah, I come from a long, distinguished lineage. Yeah, don't we all fucking know about it? Can't shut up about it for more than five minutes. She laughs again. It's literally my job as a scald. Yes, I know. She shakes her head. I'll let the boss know you're here. You're gonna have to wait outside with the boys for a minute. That's all right. I ain't going nowhere. So Esmeralda is just laughing and shaking her head and the two other guards at the door just kind of looking at each other slightly in confusion at her change of mood but she goes inside to find Marcus Uh, so Marcus how has your night started what have you been up to so far I'm not certain I've come out of the bedroom yet Mm, that kind of night huh Esmeralda comes in to the main hall she looks around she sees Jean pokes her head in 
Where's the boss? Gene just kind of shrugs. And Esmeralda sighs, pulls out a phone, and you get a text alert on your phone, Marcus. I let the glow of the phone wake me up just a little. I will uh, give Katerina a squeeze and then slide out of bed, stalk towards the door, grab a jacket, and walk out. The text message just says, Gangrel rep here. Yeah, I stride out. You come down the stairs and Esmeralda is waiting for you and she she is actually smiling, which she hasn't done a whole lot of in the last few months. She's been very on edge, but she actually seems to be in a good mood. I walk up. So I'm I'm probably dressed in um like a pair of jeans, no shirt, jacket, and uh yeah, that's it. Doesn't seem to bother her. A uh, new gangrel reps here. Oh, yeah? Decided to come say hi. I see you approve. Oh, yes. And she laughs, this kind of deep throaty laugh, and goes back to the door. Sylvester, the two guards on the door have just been kind of eyeing you up and down, not saying anything. Sylvester's looking up at them because Sylvester is only five foot five. And these guys are both much bigger, much brawnier. But, you know, he's just like, meh. The door's opens and Esmeralda comes out and says boss will see you oh how polite that's very nice of him and Esmeralda just shakes her head says watch the attitude Sylvester (laughs) she laughs he just gives her this big ugly smile (laughs) like just way too wide and way too much tooth and he's just like me Esme me and attitude I am wounded that you would ever say such a thing and just very soft steps he's going to just step past the guards and in through the door yeah you have to go through several doors including this massive bank vault door uh which as as a very outdoorsy gangrel probably makes you a bit uncomfortable sylvester just how many doors there are and how very inside it makes you feel very closed in Like when the bank vault door closes behind you, it literally feels like the walls are closing in on you. Mm, Uh, But you walk into the hallway, turn slightly right. There's this big open space and you see Marcus Voss. But uh, since our coterie hasn't met Sylvester yet, uh, why don't you describe who's entering this room right now, John? Well, Marcus sees a guy walk in who's five foot five with his combat boots on which he is wearing with cargo trousers uh, that are not clean he's wearing flannel and a denim jacket he's got a guitar across his back and he's just like his hair is about down to his shoulder it's ginger and long it's greasy and unkempt he's got fairly thick stubble you might describe him as good looking if he wasn't covered in a bunch of real small scars and you can see where his skin has just had too much sun he uh yeah this guy has not taken care of himself before he was embraced I uh sort of extended hand to a uh, a small bar uh, that's sitting off in one section there's some chairs there oh thank you kindly take a seat I suppose you probably know who I am, or at least why I'm here. Yeah, I know why you're here, but I fuck clue who you are. That makes sense. Yeah, you wouldn't. As he just sits down, he's like, 
My name is Sylvester. I hear you've got a rat problem and that you want to stick it to the cab. And I am the best gangrel in all of San Francisco to help you with those two mutual problems. That's a tall order. I know a few gangrel that are pretty good. Yeah, I know them too. Thing is that how many of those gangrel do you know have experience as... And he just smiles, just this mm, unpleasant smile. How many gangrel do you know that uh, have about... Let's see, I'm... And he, <laughs> you can see him counting backwards in his head. He's like, I reckon about 50 years of guerrilla warfare experience. Oh, not many. Uh... Oh, now you know one. Okay. So you want to help? I'd love to. Fuck the cab. But also, uh, I have made a promise before I, we go any further. I did make a promise to marry him, which I sort of bound by. I can't just go off like a loose cannon. So anything I do, I have to have your permission if I'm within your territory. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a promise you make to Miriam. That's a, that's a, a law from me. So let's get let's get that straight. Sure. <laughs> and he just takes out a small notebook and he's just like, so we've got a few things we need to go over, Mr. Voss. Do you prefer Mr. Voss or do you prefer Marcus? Either or. I don't really give a shit. Voss is fine. Great. All right, Voss. So I've been in the city about a week. I've been keeping an eye on what's what and who's doing what. So Primogen Council is an uproar after a meeting with William Mallet. Cause unknown. You know anything about that? Oh, I can imagine there's a bunch of stuff they're pissed off about. That's usually the case. I'm assuming you were the one that uh, caused the hammer's uh, little relocation. You know what? Uh, to be perfectly honest, it was a bad piping job. Mm-hmm. Non-union work, I guess. Uh, that's correct. Mm. He smiles. He's like, I used to have about the unions a bit back in the day, but, uh, uh, you know. All right, so, Vaness, the Tremere, they're going to be trouble. They've closed ranks entirely from what my boys have told me, and even at Elysium, they're barely talking to anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, one of their most important members has been outed as a Nazi. Oh, you, you, you did that. That's beautiful. Oh, that's great. And he, he's literally just smiling, just this really wide shit-eating grin as he's writing something else. That's great. That's perfect. Yeah, that's another rule of the barony you'd be well to adhere to. I assume it won't be a problem, and that's fuck Nazis. My first deployment uh, as a soldier was 1916. Went over to France. Now, they weren't Nazis. That was different. That was just war. But uh, went back about ooh, a couple of years, 30 years later. And just, he just gets this wistful look in his eye and he's like, there is nothing better than killing fuck Nazis. It's like, just, there's no, con you know, there's no conscience involved. It's just, and that was before we found out all the fucked up shit they were doing. Anyway, uh, that's good. So that's, you've got them on the back foot. I got word that Mallet might have called in reinforcements from Chicago. I would propose to you that we need to take them out as soon as they arrive. They need to be wiped out the minute they step foot in San Francisco. You need to send a message with that one. I'm much more interested in the future of cutting the head off this snake. 
I've grown a little tired of William Mallet and his games, and he's made a few things particularly personal. So, in my mind, perhaps after we take out his reinforcements that are being supplied, we just turn our direct attention to him. Wholesale. Seems like a plan. I'll uh, see what intel I can gather about the new place and uh, see what plans I can get, etc. Alright, so this one is an extra one. I don't know if it's going to be a big deal. I don't know if it's going to be a long-term problem or if it's a short-term problem. There is a radio preacher. I don't know his name. I just got this report secondhand. He is deliberately anti-union, which is, you know, fuck him. But he is singling you out by name. And that is a problem. Yeah, I've heard. And normally, it looks like he's kind. I'd be okay with it. This case, I think maybe he might be being fed by Mallet. Wouldn't be the first time that that came up in the playbook. It's not the best for us in terms of him trying to draw attention to you. And then SFPD finding out you live in a weird fortress. And you're only seen at nighttime. And then someone calls the second inquisition. <laughs> you hear this really throaty laugh from Marcus, and it's probably a little disconcerting. There's probably something that you would pick up in it, and that's the beast laughing along with him. I have ways of dealing with street preachers, anti-unionists. I have a long history of dealing with people who try to break things up. Nobody messes with my family. Sylvester looks up to you from rolling his cigarette, and he's just like, well, that's good, because that's what these fuckers are going to try and do. Now, as I said, I don't know if this guy is uh, being fed information or what, but a donation has been previously shown to help these things along. Now, I would say, however you plan on getting rid of him, I'll be happy to help out. I'll be can lean in behind that. If you need a gangrel touch, you know. You know, I, I'm betting that... Um some of the things this preacher hates about me, they probably hate about themselves first. And I know an interested party, one capable and very, very intelligent about gathering information that could likely dig up all sorts of bodies in this preacher's field. Oh, excellent. You got a, you got your own intelligence officer. That's good. I'm, I suppose most of this is probably all news to you then. Uh... Not all of it, but some of it, yeah. But that's okay, because it's good to hear sources of information coming in from multiple places. Mm -hmm. Confirmation's important. Very. All right. Boss, I, I think you don't like me, and that's fine. I, uh, I don't really give a shit. I came back to SF to kill Nazis and fuck the camp. That is my entire reason for being here. I happen to be a fairly trustworthy guy, so that's why... I was asked to act in this role with you. I also carry a lot of weight with all the gangrel in the city and country. So just stuff you don't need to know about. You've got a really good setup here. Esme's a great right hand. Use her as best you can. Um, anything at all you need, you can ask and I will tell you well, what I think, if nothing else and how best to do it if I know how to do it. If I don't know how to do it, I'll tell you that I don't. It's that simple. I want you to succeed, but I will, I'll give you what I can. I think the three things that are most important to me that you remember while in the barony is that we 
adhere to the masquerade. Absolutely. And we don't allow people encroaching in on our territory. And that the alliance that I have built with our friends, our mutual friends in Oakland, yourself included, is that there are places for the members here to feed as long mm-hmm. as they do it intelligently. He smiles. He's like, don't worry, I get it. I'm a catch and release kind of guy, you know? Good. Then I think the focus, if you have one, should honestly be on figuring out and determining when these reinforcements are arriving. And I will assist with um, preparing forces here to deal with them when they arrive. Oh, great. Perfect. Well, got a busy night ahead. Uh, Just wanted to come see you. And he just holds out a hand and you just look down. It's wide like a shovel, but it's just not clean at all. Like tobacco smokers' fingers. (laughs) Yeah, I think that you probably don't get a single second of hesitation. Marcus shakes your hand straight away. His hands are likely... uh, you, they probably feel a rough, little rough, little calloused. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't get any additional overarching strength. Uh, but he's a fairly strong individual anyway. Yeah. He doesn't press your hand to make a, a point. I'll just put it that way. He doesn't need to. Yeah, and Sylvester's not doing that either. I'm going to go out. I, uh, I'll talk to some of the guys about keeping an eye on your perimeter. I'm going to... And he just holds up a hand. He's like, before we go any further, actually, one thing. One thing I want to get set in stone right now. Their vampires come into one of your balkanized territories. What do you want to happen to them? Oh, we we don't take any quarter. We don't give it in any way, shape, or form. Not to the cam and not to their side provider. We're not breaking the masquerade. Perfect. Glad to hear it. Pleasure to meet you, boss. So we'll leave Sylvester heading off into the night for the moment and change cameras over to one Alex Giovanni. Alex, you've been going over information. You've had a conversation with Eddie and Luz just about some things you're digging up. And you get a message on your, or a ring on your intercom from Max downstairs at at the storefront. I guess I will head down and uh, look through the people of the back door. So you go downstairs and you look through the the peephole and you see Max just leaning against the the desk he's he usually sits behind uh his head tilted to one side inquisitively and there's what looks like a UPS delivery person in their brown shorts and top and and hat just standing there holding a box. Okay, I will uh I guess uh exit and uh, approach the UPS man. Give me a roll here. I'd like intelligence and awareness to notice something. Or not. Is that three successes? As you get closer to Jimmy, the first thing you notice is he doesn't really change his body language when the door opens and the little bell rings. And as you get closer and you see him just holding the box, there's a very distinct sort of glazed look in his eyes. He's under the effect of dominate. Nice. Good. I hope this is the package I think it is. And you get closer and he, as soon as you step into about five feet of him, he says almost like a, like a robot automatically. 
delivery for Mix Alex Giovanni, courtesy of William Mallet. And he holds the box out. Nice. I will uh, take the box and uh, tell him thank you and uh, take it upstairs. I, I don't want to traumatize that. <laughs> Probably a good idea. So Jimmy turns and walks out the door, and the second he steps out the door, you can see him just kind of shaking his head and looking around in confusion, but that doesn't bother you. You head upstairs uh, with the box. Max just, like, everything okay? You're, you're sure it's okay? Yes? 100%. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Okay. Thank you. Cool. And he just goes back to his Dan Brown novel behind the desk as you go upstairs with your package. When I get upstairs, I'm going to uh, lay out some plastic on the table and open the box. What's in the box? I hope it's like that. You you probably say that to yourself as you're opening, opening the box. And inside, in a neatly lined, uh, velvet-lined casing, you see the angry, bloody, severed head of one Phoebe Van Ness staring up at you. Yes. Okay, great. So what I want to do is to... um, Fatal precognition? Well, actually, I want to contact her directly, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that too. Okay. First, yeah, I'll do fatal precog and then, um, yeah, I'll try and get a hold of her. I mean... So uh, give me that rouse check. Oh, okay. So maybe you rushed it a little bit. Oh. Yeah, you know, you're too eager to to uh, talk to Phoebe and, and gloat a bit. Uh, would you like to spend a point of willpower to attempt it again? I would. Very well. Spend your willpower again. Jesus, I'm done. I'll just have to come you're back. You're just getting hungrier and hungrier, and it, it's it's a little frustrating for you. It's like when you saw that body in Marcus's freezer that you just you couldn't get through to only this time it's maybe you're feeling a bit of annoyance with yourself for letting it get so personal that it's getting in the way of of doing what you need to do uh but I will allow let's say investigation and intelligence again to see what you pick up just from the body itself or rather the bit of body that you have here the head four it's not a clean cut at the neck. Ooh, does it look like her head was ripped off? No, it looks more like it was cut inexpertly. Oh. With, with four successes, it was not it was not easy. It looks like it took several attempts and probably was a bit of a fight. Nice. Good. Which tells you a few things. One is Mallet didn't do this himself. That I'm not surprised. But gives you some interesting things to think about until you can compose yourself later to talk to Phoebe, if she'll speak to you. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll stick her in the fridge for now. Okay, so you have a Nazi vampire head in your fridge. Then um, I am going to get, uh, I need to get a hold of Rom, first and foremost. Like, as I'm heading out to check my other properties, I'm going to um, call Rom okay. and then also see if Luther's around. I'm like multitasking. I have I have shit to do. <laughs> so 
Rom, how has your night started off before you get a call from Alex? What is Rom up to? My evening is going quite well. I am doing a little work, a little scene work right now um, on the boat. So I have one of my ghouls laid out across um, a padded bench. Um, and they had been complaining about, oh, they had some sciatica pain in one of their calves. And so what I've decided to do is take an entire box of sterilized needles and arrange them in their calf in a spiral pattern, working from the inside outward. And they have these lovely little pink rubber tips on the ends, the back ends of the needles. Vince would have loved this. And I've just done a delightful little pattern here. And then I've taken some colored thread and teal and black and just wove it under and over each of these needle tips and set them up on this bench to enjoy my handiwork. And I imagine that's when my phone rings. Yes, just as you set up your almost Toreador art installation here, your phone starts ringing. Moshi Moshi. Uh, Rom. Yeah, hey! How you doing? Hold on just a second. Hey, Nora, I'm gonna need you to, um, actually, don't, don't, don't move. I'm gonna get somebody to wheel you out of here in just a second. Just, just go ahead and relax. I gotta take this phone call, okay? And then I go ahead and just step, like, five feet over. Um, and, because Rom is completely unaware of their surroundings. Hey, yeah, what's up? We need to have uh, a discussion. Oh, we do. Okay. Is this like a? I get. Hey, is this like a good thing or is this like a bad thing? Like you got to tell me. We can't be like oh, we have a discussion and then like six hours later we. Have it's to gonna start. ruin your night. Oh fuck you, <laughs> fuck Alex. Ah. You don't have to cuss me out. You have to cuss somebody else out. I'm not cussing you out. I'm cussing the situation out. I wouldn't cuss you out. You're fantastic and wonderful and beautiful. Anyways, so what do you, um, fuck it. Just rip the bandaid off. What is it? No, not Nora. No. I'm not having this conversation on the phone. Uh, okay. Are you, are you coming here? Am I going there? What, what would you prefer? Oh, Jesus Christ. Why does this always take seven times? I'm on my way to your place. I'm coming to your apartment. At Mina's place. I should say, not Vince's place. Mina's place. Mina's place. Oh, which is Vince's place. Okay. It was the place I bought for him. Yeah, but it's Mina's place. Where the place. blood worked into all of the woodwork? No. Just mopped down into the grain of the floor in the basement? No. Nope. That's his old place. Nora, I'm going to go ahead and get Eric to take care of you, I unfortunately won't be able to remove all of those needles at this moment. But you know what I'm going to have you do? I'm going to have you go ahead and just relax on one of the couches. We're going to set you up with Disney Plus or something over on the, one of your phones. And um, and um, you just hang out, 
All right, we'll get those out of you. Um, we'll get those out of you as soon as I, I get back, apparently. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna just walk out of the room. I'm not waiting for a response. Um, I, I feel t- uh, okay as a human being. I feel terrible about no aftercare. As Rom, apparently, this is gonna be fine because I have to go handle things. Alex, cool. Hey, you know what I'm taking? You know what I'm taking? You know, those one of those little scooters, those little electric scooters. I'm taking one of those. I'm taking I'm taking a, I'm taking a, a little lime scooter. You you get down to the little stand where you rent them, uh, rent them from. And there's someone standing there watching you. She doesn't move. As you come up, just this tall heightened senses, tall woman with blonde long blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail she's got some facial scarring a long scar across her throat very deep piercing blue eyes uh she is wearing a leather biker's hat and a plaid shirt flannel and jeans and motorcycle boots she's just standing there with her arms crossed fuck yeah heightened senses is this person breathing no fuck my face (laughs) Rom did not say that out loud. All right, I will stand up straight, put whatever I had in my hands in my pockets, uh, which I assume was a cell phone. I'll turn to them and go, are you looking for someone? Rom the shaman? Who's asking? Well, apparently you were asking for me, so I'm the one who should be asking questions. Okay, as my eyes roll back in my head, trying to figure out who this is. And she crosses her arms and her fingers start tapping on her elbow. And you can give me um, intelligence plus awareness. Understood. You're not actively looking for something just to see what you pick up just from... I've gotten three successes. Okay. Uh, So with three successes, just as you're talking to her, you kind of subconsciously pick up on the... She's tapping her fingers and smiling slightly at you. Those fingers have two extra joints in them. They're really long and very bendy in ways that fingers should not be. Should not be? Uh, that's, That's a human convention. I'm bust into a grin and um, hold on just a second this is Jane right that's the name that's the correct name that's the name you were given by Alex fantastic okay now you're Jane right ah the light dawns hopefully not yet but I get your meaning why did you are are you getting a, a scooter no but oh, okay. I don't like boats. Oh, how long have you been out here? <clears throat> I mean, how how long have you how, how long have you been out here? <laughs> she laughs, but not from the mouth you can see. That's f- cool. That's 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 a new thing. You going somewhere? I am. I was just gonna uh, scoot my boots. Why did I say that? Um, over to another uh, location. Uh, I'll to give go you a talk. ride because we got some talking to do, and I ain't got all night unless yeah, you're let's paying do- me. Uh, what do you do for a living? Nothing. I'm dead. 
What do you, what do you what do you do for 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 a deading? Kill Nazis mostly, and she just walks off as if she's expecting you to follow her. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the extra knuckled Nazi killing blonde bombshell in a leather jacket. All right, let's let's. This is a totally good idea. Um, let's go do that. As you follow her with that three you got earlier, you see just the hint of a, of a mouth above the collar of her shirt as she moves slightly. Almost, She shifts her shoulders in an unnatural way as if just slightly showing it off to you just a little bit. I don't mean to state something that you already know, but the back of your head has teeth. Not just the back of my head. Jesus Christ. And she leads you off to a very fancy-looking motorcycle. You could swear, just just for a minute, you, you thought you saw faces in it. Just for a second, looking at you, hungrily. But surely that's that's just a trick of the light. So we'll leave uh, Rom there for the moment with Jane. Uh, Rom is going to be riding on the back with it with his arms around Jane's middle and that mouth talking to him. Um, as they ride, and let's have a look over at what Katarina's up to this evening. You had a fun start to the night with uh, Marcus, but Marcus had to get up and go take care of some business, and, well, you've got things to do yourself. It's not like you're a housewife, or as as, uh, Monica might put it, a Fort Knox wife. So what are you up to this evening? Well, first things first, I am going to uh, go check on the progress of the farm. Yes. A lot has happened in the intervening week, Mm -hmm. uh, much to my surprise. Yes. When last you went to the farm about a week ago, you were pretty impressed with how quickly Jane's two childer, two very interesting young vampires by the names of Vlad and Chad, had been doing with setting up all of the uh, beds, the equipment and everything. They were very quiet, but you know, it's good how much they've got set up. And you'd already got in your first uh, batch of livestock at that, at that point. So maybe, maybe a bit more has been done since then. You left some instructions with the twins and well, let's have a look in. So uh, you head out and you can see into the, that open meeting area, um, there's a very peculiar looking short man uh, talking to Marcus in there. You just keep going out the door you go. Oh, yeah. I'll get an mm-hmm. update later. So you head out and down towards the pier where the farm has been set up. Do you walk? Do you have one of the boys drive you? What does Katarina normally do when she makes this walk? It's all in the territory, but does she feel secure enough? Uh, generally speaking, it's probably taken a little bit to uh, <laughs> separate herself from the uh, uh, help, as it were. As time goes on, it it's not really a concern, really. So you make the walk down towards the farm. It's a nice night for February. None of the heavy rains and storms of most of January. And it's... A little cold. There's a nice moon out. You see some people walking around 
the normal joggers as well. There's one particular blonde uh, who has been jogging past this area every night for the past month and a half. You're completely familiar with why at this point. But you keep going. You start noticing uh, as you go. There, There's always graffiti and, and posters and things that people stick up, especially on some of the more dilapidated buildings down here. But you, you start seeing some newer, fresher graffiti on your walk. And there's spray painted across one of these older buildings. It, it says... God hates unions on one and another uh, across this older building that used to be a Planned Parenthood location uh, it says tools of Satan and a lot more of this sort of very heavy religious kind of rhetoric which is not the kind of graffiti you're used to seeing down in this part of town Normally, it's street art or eat the rich, that kind of thing. But you're starting to see this more and more often. And this is the most, perhaps, brazen graffiti that you've seen down here. And that will be a mental note to let Marcus know when I get back home. And as you're approaching the pier, uh, a car pulls up behind you. San Francisco PD car patrol car and it just sort of pulls up behind you and rolls along do you stop do you keep going I keep going they haven't flashed their lights and they haven't rolled down a window to tell me to stop I have no reason to feel that there's anything uh, amiss as you keep walking a, a window rolls down and you hear someone calling you okay miss dangerous to be out here by yourself I can take care of myself, but thank you for the concern. Are you sure? A lot of dangerous elements down here. Wouldn't want anything to happen to a nice person like you, I'm sure. Could be dangerous. Well, if I sense any danger, I will call you right away. Yeah? We'll be around. Just don't go into any dark alleys. The window rolls up and the car keeps going past. Okay. I'm going to continue on my way. All right. So you keep walking. The police car drives off, but it's pretty slow, right? It doesn't, it's not the normal kind of pace of a patrol. It's almost as if they're still watching you. Okay. I have nothing to hide outside of, you know, the fact that I'm a vampire. With a farm full of humans whose blood you're siphoning off. You know, other than that. As far as I'm concerned, if they hang around, I'm going down for a walk at the pier. I like the night air. The pier is fairly calm at this time of day. It's much easier. I enjoy a night walk. Mm, indeed you do. And you make your way down to the pier. The police car has eventually driven off, but that kind of slow driving... So, something, something's going on there. But they eventually drive off and you make your way down to your pier, which has been pretty much repaired completely since last month and the damage done in the, the hurricane-like weather that you had in San Francisco. But, uh, you know, there's 
still some debris around. No, nothing's ever completely repaired in San Francisco, unless you're wealthy. So you head down to the farm, and the clinic part that Jane has set up at the front is well lit now. All the electricity seems to be working. It's got a sign up uh, in English and Spanish uh, and in Mandarin for the night clinic, for the workers' clinic. Walk-ins welcome, no insurance required, etc. And you go in, the reception is all set up. It doesn't look like they're accepting any patients yet, but you're seeing chairs and magazines and some posters in, in multiple languages. And there's a, a couple young people working behind the desk. It looks like they're setting up computers and things. And you can go past all of that into the more interesting section of the clinic in the back. And you see the twins hard at work setting up uh, what looks like another round of IVs. They're taking some medications out of closets and taking out some IV bags and they look up as you come in. Good evening. Good evening. How is the progress coming along? Is good. We have new delivery tonight. Eight more. Put in room C and D. So based on what I see, is is every room just a single occupant at this point? Each room has two occupants. You've figured out from your experiments at the previous farm, patients, quote unquote, tend to do better when they have someone to talk to. If left alone too long, they get agitated. Very likely what I'll end up doing is just going and checking on the new stock just to make sure that they're getting settled in without uh, unnecessary complications. Basically, I don't want anyone on the verge of ODing in my, in my uh, farm. I imagine that the screening process has been uh, fairly good, but at the same time, it has happened before and I'm trying to prevent it from happening again. The screening process has gotten a lot more rigorous. You've developed much more stringent standards, what with the fact that there's still tainted heroin going around in San Francisco. And Vince did warn you that the cure only works once. If you get infected again, that's it. As far as he knows. Yeah, well, and part of the screening process is simply that anyone who does heroin is not going to be welcome within the it's even not that they're going to be welcome. It will legitimately be that they are either turned away or disappeared. You go through all of your checklists. There's the the room with light uh, marijuana user, users for the discerning kin, uh, kindred who like to get a bit of a contact high, mostly Rom and his group. But you don't have anyone who's detoxing from anything super heavy. And all of the specimens that you look at seem to be fairly healthy. And, you know, other than the, the couple who are trying to, to get off prescription pills, well, this is a pretty good batch. Your supplier is doing pretty well with this. Yeah, and we're not keeping anyone as long-term as we were before. Exactly. For safety reasons. It's far less convenient, and it's in a lot of ways, a lot more pro problematic, especially when it comes to storage. 
because not everyone in the territory is aware that we're kind of up and running at this point. So the supply is kind of overwhelming the equipment we have right now, and we don't have enough space to really start housing more unless we uh, start digging down, which is the long-term plan anyway. After you make your rounds, Chad comes out. He hands you a, a clipboard, says... There is a patrol car who comes uh, every night and one in the day, just down this area. And he's written out the license plate numbers. I had girls at front desk write the daytime people's numbers, but they keep asking about permits. Well, we have the permits covered, I'm sure. I tell them this. They keep knocking. I think it's because we are for on the front, and he points to the signs out front. Uh, immigrants, yes. The uh, Please? the ones without papers come, will come. Yes, I think uh, is 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 that they don't go to other business on pier. Well, it is hard to tell. We are a free clinic that provides for the people who are not documented. But at the same time, I can only imagine that with the new vandalism, that probably plays a part as well. I don't imagine it's for our protection, but I do imagine that they are looking for trouble, whether it comes from us or from somewhere else. He hands you a poster uh, you recognize one of the posters that hang outside the door in multiple languages for the front of the clinic and it's been plastered over with speak English you're in America and he shrugs the girls found this this morning rip it up we have no use for it just thought you liked to know well based on the graffiti I'm saying that is the least of our problems he nods okay what a good I have uh, paperwork yes yes Uh, give me a call once they have been once the toxins have been removed from their blood uh, and we will take minimal amounts from this batch we don't have the room right now we will figure it out you see him folding up this poster that he showed you as he's talking to you, just folding it and folding it and folding it, and then he starts slowly ripping it after it's been folded into a very small square, and he starts ripping it, and his knuckles are getting really white. But his face stays very calm and impassive, both him and his twin don't really show much emotion on their faces. He says, La, we'll do. Have things. But, uh... I chase off uh, graffiti makers, yes? If I see them? Yes, if you see them. If they are around and you see any nighttime police cars, uh, do not interfere. Let them either take care of it or not take care of it. The last thing we need is any intervention from our end. If they are outside. Yes, I know, but the last thing that we need is 
you getting arrested and having to bail you out. I know. Don't like. But okay. He nods and goes to the back to resume his work. So let's change cameras over to our favorite salubri, Monica. Monica, you've been hard at work all week on reopening Mackay Gardens. Your realtor called you back within a few hours of you calling her to tell you she'd found the perfect location near your new digs and your ghouls and your humans were very, very happy to come back to you. But you've been putting things together and you remember when you you opened Mackay Gardens with Chase the first time, just how many months it took of preparation and paperwork and, and permits and all of these things. And Olive told you not to worry about it. She'd take care of it. And mysteriously, all the paperwork went through. All the permits have come in. All the inspections were done in the same day. You didn't have to wait three months for a contractor to come in. And so all you've had to do really is sign papers and help your ghouls with setting up the place. Been an interesting week. That is an interesting week. For multiple reasons, at least from Monica's perspective, because uh, one, she's overwhelmed with a degree of gratitude um, for her help in this. But that also comes hand in hand with a certain degree of suspicion uh, as far as why is Olive extending herself or or doing anything at all to make this process go as seamlessly as possible. But the problem is Monica is in such a terrible emotional headspace right now that that suspicion keeps getting drowned out more and more by just the sheer uh, excitement of having her shop back and having her ghouls back and trying to just sink her arms and her claws and her embrace into something that looks like normalcy again. So as of right now, she's manually overriding that red button that keeps like flashing at her like hey something is wrong hey this isn't this is weird this isn't okay this is wrong and just going forward and she hopes and prays that that doesn't bite her in the ass on the end but we'll see you'll see indeed so you're at uh makai gardens this evening with your ghouls who are very happy to have you back around it, it's been hard to keep them away even though none of them live in the territory they just seem really happy to be back with you which you know considering your blood that that makes sense the energy is back and she has her kids back oh my god like yeah the 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 ghouls aren't staying away but she isn't exactly pushing them away either yeah it's it's very encouraging for you to feel like you have a purpose again yeah right you have something to focus all of that nervous energy on. Even Chase has commented on just how much more relaxed you seem when you come home just before daybreak. And you've been decorating quite a bit with all of your your friends, your humans around you. Uh, they keep constantly coming to you about every little thing. Like, should we put this plant here? What about this arrangement? Where do we put these tables? Oh, do you have anyone for graphic design yet? Because I totally just finished my finished my course in it, and I think I could make some great posters. And it's just been a, a flurry of activity 
for you. And and this evening, Malarkey has actually come over uh, to help you out. And there's just a whole herd of cats wandering around, chasing out any mice, staring at the plants, knocking <laughs> things off the counters. Oh, One of them is just <laughs> draped over Malarkey's shoulder as he's helping you move some furniture. Amazing. Uh, Monica is very forward-facing with empowering others. So if um, Michaela just, you know, graduated with her degree, and, yeah, go do that. If Keith thinks the arrangement looks better, that, yeah, go, go do that. If Sarah thinks the front desk, she doesn't, she genuinely doesn't care. The aesthetics are so, so minimal to the fact that one, she has this business back open and two, she's back around her family. So really, it's like if they say go, yep, go break next speeds in that direction. Go live your truth. I'm sure it'll work out fine. And uh, Malarkey is looking around in pleased bemusement. He's not used to being around so many humans all at once. He doesn't have a human-facing job. The Lissandra Party House has a couple ghouls, but they don't really go in for that very much. So he's just looking around going, "Uh, how do you you keep track of all of them? Um... And this is as she's like signing one piece of paperwork and then handing something to another person. I don't keep track of them. They keep track of themselves. You trust your humans to keep track of themselves? Wow. She smiles and she looks over her herd and she says, yeah, it's how most in, how do I say this? It's how most salubri insulate themselves. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I don't really know anything about Salubri, as you know, uh, just because just you're the first one I've ever met. Um, but, uh, wow, that's cool. I mean, I don't think that would work for us, but they seem to like you. That's cool. Yeah. One of the cats starts licking his face. <laughs> Goddamn cats. So, um, so, um, are, 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 are are, are we doing the doing the party still uh, the next? I, I think we're about ready. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've got all the the, the plumbing's installed and everything, and 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 Olive said that 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 she took care of the sprinkler system and and it got signed off and 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 he he's his eyes are really bright and wise. He's looking around. I just haven't been to a party other than Elysium in so long. I love a party. She's going to drop her sh- her head onto his shoulder and just kind of nuzzle him. and like, yeah, yeah, I think we're going to move forward. It would be silly not to, right? And she's going to awesome. look up at him and blink her eyes at him. Awesome. I- I've always wanted to see a salubri party. Well, I like seeing how everybody <laughs> does parties, but, but you know, you're just so mysterious. Which is uh, rich that- coming from La Sombra, but... <laughs> And that is absolutely not the word I would have used to describe us. But sure, sure, Justin, we'll let that one live for today. Um, Can you excuse me while I go and do the... Sorry. And I'm sure her attention is split in 15 different directions. If there's not a a deed that she needs to be signing, if there's not some paperwork she needs to be signing off on, if it's not something, there's something, 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 which is so incredibly empowering right now because there's something to do. Yes, you're very much enjoying having having all of these things to do. And one of your ghouls comes up to you 
and she hands you a box full of envelopes and she says, uh, I, I, I got the, the invitations back from the, from the printer, only lab, labor union approved printers, you know, union printers, like you said, and I found one and it's just down the street over there. And she's just babbling on, but she's, she hands you this box full of, of invitations that you've requested for this special opening night party. And because Monica's Monica, you know, these aren't regular invitation. These are those like plantable invitations mm-hmm. that you can like tear them up and put them in soil and something will grow out of it. Like, so they're all like individually labeled on the front, but on the back, there's instructions on how to plant this particular invitation. So yeah, while she's babbling, Monica's just going to throw up in the box and just get a good glance on how these look. They look fantastic. Just exactly what you wanted with sort of the the torn edge aesthetic so that they're not too clean and, and perfect. And also no one's going to get a paper cut. Uh, the instructions are, are printed really well. There's a nice gilt lettering on the front. And it's it looks like the kind of thing you used to have made for parties at the old Mackay Gardens all the time. Takes you back. Only a couple oh. months, but still takes you back. It's been a long couple months. Listen, these goddamn last 60 days haven't been a joke. <laughs> nope. Uh, with relief, she is going to lean over that box and kiss that ghoul full on the face and go, thank you, thank you, thank you. These are perfect. You you, you couldn't have done any better with these. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she just kind of blushes and scurries away. And uh, as she does that, your front door opens and Jean comes in in her tight black leather trousers and she's wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt this time, but she's got her business leather jacket on over it. Very thick blue eyeliner. (gasps) You're here. You're here. You're actually here. And she is going to skip, jump, and run over and hug her. Jean, you'd think she'd have gotten used to it by now. She has not. (laughs) And she just looks a little startled, uh, and then straightens up and says, uh, Ms. West. Oh, we're doing Miss West now? Oh, the Baron God. requests your presence. That took the entire wind out of her sails. And she is going to stop and she's going to take a step back. What? Baron Voss requests your presence. Uh, she crosses her arms over her chest. Why are you bringing me this message? I'm the Herald. It's my job. I'm the voice. He could have called. He could have texted. That's what he's done before. That's not how we do formal official things in vampire society, Monica. Do you know what he wants? It's not my place to say. Are you my escort? She cracks a slight smile and says, Do you need one? No. I suppose I'm still just getting used to how vampires in polite society do things. And she's going to turn around on her heel and go snatch up her coat. And Jean nods and heads out. She sends you a message, Baron Voss, that uh, Monica will be on her way shortly. Fantastic. So, Monica, do you head straight there? Do you talk to anyone? Do you let people know where you're going? How is Monica feeling about this? Monica's not feeling very good about any of this particular one the summons is very uncomfortable for her that's unsettling um the last time marcus wanted to talk to her he sent her a text that was much more informal um sending 
a messenger to actually come and address her face to face is alarming. She feels like a kid that's getting called into the principal's office. And she is circling through some anxiety and some fear that it has something to do with her turning down that last offer, the last task that he had assigned to her. And it had been a week and he hadn't said anything. And so she thought maybe it was okay. And then she got distracted with everything with the reopening. So, um, no, she'll, she'll let Justin know that she's on her way out. She'll let the ghouls know probably not to expect her tonight. Uh, she will pick up a package that she has in her office since she's going to Fort Knox and she will head that direction. Okay. So you make your way over to Fort Knox walking or? Oh no, this would be in her Audi. Okay. So you drive over to Fort Knox and pull up into the parking lot and you see the normal two guards out there who just nod at you as you get out of the car. And then the door opens and Esmeralda comes out. What's Esmeralda's vibe right now? She seems relaxed, actually. Whoa! <laughs> it, it, it's hard to tell because you've never seen her that way. And it actually takes you a minute of just watching her to figure out, oh, that's what's different. She doesn't look like she's going to explode at any second. Maybe any minute, but not any second. Interesting. Uh, she is going to look over her shoulders into the back seat um, at this bag that she has with a box that's inside of it and she is going to look at it just for a really hard moment um, because she didn't want to come to Fort Knox tonight and uh, she bites her bottom lip and she says okay I guess we're going to do both of these then and she is going to get out of the car and she is going to put on the best I'm upbeat and okay smile that she could possibly manage and wave down Esmeralda Esmeralda's coming out the door. She wasn't making a, a beeline for you. You don't think she was coming to get you or anything. She was just coming out the door and she stops and she looks at you and she looks at you waving her down. Yes. What? You were smiling a moment ago. No, I wasn't. You were totally smiling. It looks good on you. Her brow furrows a little bit. I don't Okay, smile. you're not smiling anymore. Great. Hey, um... Can I talk to you for just a second? I know you're busy. If you must. Wow, you transitioned so fast. And that's okay. That's completely okay. Um, You're probably going to hate me for this, but this is a risk that I am going to take. And she is going to reach into that back seat and pull out that bag. Uh, she's going to put it in front of her with her arms crossed in front of her and lean against her car. And she's going to look Esmeralda square in the face and say, I think about you like a lot, like a lot, a lot to the point that it's weird. I know it's weird, but I'm weird. And that's just where we are. Okay. So one night I was thinking about you and I had this epiphany, it, cosmic levels of epiphany, right? Just boom. And so I started making phone calls and I started sending emails and I started wiring money. And here we are. And she is going to flap this box in front of her, just like across her lap. She's not extending it over to Esmeralda yet. And she says, so, um, I know this is random. Just bear with me. The stars, right? Like, you know, those things that hang above us in the sky. And Monica will, like, point up to the sky, almost begging for affirmation that Esmeralda isn't just getting ready to kill her right now. Esmeralda sort of cranes her head a little bit, almost like she doesn't look up very often. <laughs> 
So the stars, what are they by like definition? They're self-luminous celestial bodies, self-luminous. So they create their light themselves through internal turmoil. So basically, and I'm not a physicist, but basically uh, there is so much chaos happening inside of these stars. There's havoc and it's chaos and these atoms are crashing into each other. And I guess by, I just went on Wikipedia and confirmed this, but somewhere by the process of nuclear fission or fusion, a star shines. So a star, any star only shines because of the unchecked violence that's happening inside of them. And the world may not understand that chaos. I didn't understand that chaos, but but I do think stars are beautiful. And I think that you're beautiful. And I can see now that you're beautiful for the same reason that stars are. For the unchecked violence that's inside of you. So here, and Monica's going to push this bag at her. Um, here's a reminder from me to you that the hotter you burn, the more beautiful you shine. Esmeralda's just been staring at you this entire time. <laughs> just... She looks a bit confused, which is the first time anybody's ever seen her look that way. That's progress. Almost without thinking, she opens the box. So the box is completely black. I mean, it's black on black on black on black on black, but it looks like a department store box that you would get like a cashmere sweater in it. And inside there's a fully laid out star certificate with like a map and an atlas and binoculars and coordinates. And Monica has named a star Esmeralda. And then there's a small jewelry box inside that Monica very quickly reaches in and snatches out just before she can open it. She just snatches it out as if like, wait, nope, that one comes later. I'm going to make a composure check for Esmeralda (laughs) 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 because she doesn't know what to do here. And uh, well, it's Esmeralda, so... We're making a composure check. Please don't hit me. Oh boy. Uh, okay, so she looks at this and she hears you babbling and her fist just kind of comes at you like she has no control over her body and breaks your nose. Yes, I saw that coming. <laughs> and, then, and then she just goes, sorry, and runs off. With the box, just like, what just happened? Shit, 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 shit. I don't know if that went better or worse than I expected. It's at this moment that Katerina comes walking up. So, Katerina, you see Esmeralda scuttling off into the bushes carrying a box and looking confused, which you've never seen. You've never seen Esmeralda lose her composure before in a way that wasn't anger. And then Monica's standing there with a broken nose. And the two bodyguards at the door are laughing. Okay, fuck you guys. That's not funny. Oh, God. And then I'm going to look at Monica. Do I want to? No, no that just happened. You, no, it's fine. No, I... Oh, God. No, I, I brought that one on myself. Okay. Shall we go in? I really don't want to. Why not? So, she's out in public right now, but she was just in the shop where she felt safe. So she probably doesn't have that uh, flesh skin over her third eye as much as she has maybe just a bandana or a headband over it. But Katarina can see just through the fabric that that eye is rolling. And Monica just looks at you and she's like, never mind. Um, 
hey, can you do me a favor? I can try. Um, and she's going to hand that little small jewelry box over. Can you give that to um, to Esmeralda when you see her again? Sure. Should I know what it is or just leave it? No, it's fine. She's not going to hit you in the face, I'm sure. I don't put anything past her. Uh, and Monica is going to go into her trunk. I know she has her medical equipment back there and get something to start cleaning off her face. So you clean off your face and you're a vampire. It's it's not that difficult and you'll heal up the next time you eat. Uh, but, you know, it's a little tender just because you're a vampire doesn't mean things don't hurt. Uh, but, you know, you did unsettle Esmeralda, which is something. Yeah, that's progress, isn't it? Yeah. So you quickly use your first aid kit from the Audi and you and Katarina enter. I'm not in the main room. I'm probably off uh, in a portion of the haven here that is um, what we would call like an entertainment room. Entertainment is a broad topic. Do you have a sh- do you have a shirt on now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Totally okay. wearing a shirt. Uh, so probably uh, since... Marcus is going to be off in a completely different room. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> shouting for him when I walk in. Marcus, we have a visitor. I don't. I don't move. I don't budge. Jean comes out into the hallway and says, "Ah, there you are. This way, please, uh, Miss Bogdanovich. Are you attending?" Geese, of course. And she directs you to the entertainment room. Monica looks like Will Smith's kid in that Karate Kid movie where it's like, I hate it here and I want to go home. That that is 100 percent the look on her face. (laughs) She is that gift uh, as she pulls her uh, headband out and that third eye blinks into the light, like finally relieved and happy to be out again. Chances are with that look on Monica's face, I'm probably going to hang back and be the last person. So she doesn't really have a chance to try to run away because whatever's going on. It's clearly uncomfortable and it'll be a lot easier to keep her wrangled in if she doesn't really have a lot of options. Fantastic. Yeah, so uh, the entertainment room has um, probably some, you know, grunge music playing from mid-90s. And uh, on the television, there's some sort of athletic competition, likely rugby. Monica will step a whole three feet on the inside of the threshold of that final door before she stops. I'm staring at the screen. I haven't acknowledged anyone who's come in yet. Oh, God, I hate Kendrick to play these games. God damn it, is what she's thinking. But again, she sits there, stands there quietly. Miss West, come in, please. I turn around. She's going to throw a look at Katarina to see if she can gauge anything about this situation from Katarina's face. I'm stone-faced. God damn it. They should have just moved to Alaska. Uh, she'll come in, Baron. Hey, how are we doing? I'm really concerned about why I was summoned here. So not well. You sort of see all the whatever stoic pretense and existed on Marcus drops. He sort of gets a little, uh, I don't know, a, a little bit more freewheeling. He smiles very genuinely. Summoned. Yes, one of the powers I put in air quotes right Harold so listen I won't uh, I won't rain on your parade very much right um, not really my style but um, everybody who lives in the barony all the kindred who are in the barony 
do something for the barony. And the last time I was here, we had a conversation about you assisting me with some information gathering on uh, some dirty cops. And you made it pretty clear that um, you just weren't going to help out. And I gave you a choice. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is kindred who choose to do business without assisting the barony. And the Mackay Gardens place, as I've been told, is coming along pretty nicely, right? She gives you a single nod. Uh, She's having a hard time making eye contact with you. Her two formal eyes are like more focused on your nose lip region. Region. That third eye is staring you down your face and everything in that third eye has a glimpse of, oh, just bring it. We see that it's coming. Just come see us. That is not Monica's disposition. That is that third eye's disposition. Sure. You're pretty new here. I don't know. Um, again, we haven't interacted a ton, so I'll uh, I'll excuse the disrespect for lack of eye contact. I'll put on awe and I'll force you to look at me. Which... One of three was already there. Two or three of three are now locked on. I have a job for you. One way or the other. There is a very interested party who assists the barony in existing that exists across the Bay Bridge. So if you're not willing to help flush out dirty cops, I'm going to give you a little travel schedule. I need an emissary, someone who can speak or listen, more likely, on behalf of the barony for the situation going on in Oakland. We have been given a representative from them, and I suppose you'd leave me with no choice but to give you this role. You'll meet with Miriam, Chief Miriam, of Clan Gangrel there, and get to know the people of Oakland, the kindred. Because we will have good relations with them. We are building stability here. That is the goal. Am I clear? Marcus probably knows the question that she's going to ask. Because it's the question that she always asks. And if I decline, will this affect our hospitality? If you decline. I think that you should consider very, very deeply... What happens if you decline two offers? Because from that point, what it means is that all you and perhaps even Chase are interested in is just safety, not assisting in the building, not assisting in any sort of real way. So that's your honest impression of me then, huh? That I'm just riding on the coattails of your hospitality? What other impression have you made? You know, Marcus, as a leader in this ecosystem that you're attempting to develop here. It would behoove you to not only pay attention to those kindred that are on the surface making big splashes, but the ones that are in the trenches doing the best they can with what they have. You don't seem to be struggling. She bites her bottom lip because that wounds her more deeply than Marcus could probably ever imagine. Okay. Okay. Jesus. Okay. Oh, God. Marcus, and she's rubbing that third eye with the back of her hand, with both of the back of her hands, almost this agitation building 
She says, okay. Um, can I think about it? And do what? Like the last time turned around to me a, a night later in decline? God damn it. Okay. Wow. You know, you're brilliant is really what you are. You, you're brilliant and I'm an idiot. And she stiffens her shoulders and she starts patting down the pockets of her jacket, want to make sure that she can feel her keys on the second that she can feel her phone. And she says, you, you sold us this amazingly organic, rich story about this vision that you had for kindred and kindred society in this new world that you were going to build. And, and, and I took it, I took it, I took it, I took it maybe because I didn't want to think about it. Maybe because it's just, wow. It's just, it's, it's proof in this moment right now that you can take a bruja out of the Camarilla, but you cannot take the Camarilla out of a bruja. <laughs> and it's one of those things when you're looking at her, the third eye is doing the majority of the talking right now. It's just something that you can sense. It's something that you understand. How little you know of my clan. How little. How little you know of me. Oh, this is for certain. I put a hand up. This is for certain. I know very little of you. I know very little of your sire. Only that, only that they're, they both of you came to me seeking shelter. And somehow you think this organic, wonderful dream builds itself. It doesn't, Monica. It won't. The other things I could ask you to do are all terrible, terrible things. I won't ask you to do those terrible things. I'll ask you to go and listen. And make sure the Barity understands what's happening in Oakland. You wouldn't ask me to do terrible things. You asked a concentration camp survivor to go inform on Nazi cops, but you don't think that was asking me to do a terrible thing. Now you're asking me to go to Oakland and do exactly what? It's... May I leave? No, absolutely not. We're not clear yet. I don't think we're going to be clear, Marcus. Baron. Very well. Very well. I've been clear on my side. There are things that I need of every kindred who takes up a portion of this barony. Every single one. All of them have duties. All of them do something. Harold, you may see her out. Uh, we'll speak with Chase at my earliest convenience. And I turn around. She is on that door as quickly as she can get out of it. And as soon as we step out of the door... I will turn to Jane, take her up to my office. I'm going to touch base with Marcus and I'm going to have a conversation with her. She's not to leave this building. She's kept a very straight kind of stoic face through the whole thing as a good herald should. And she looks at you, Monica, and says, uh, this way, please. Lead the way. And she takes you to Katerina's office. Katerina? And I'll turn back to, the you know, Marcus just watching rugby. Well, that went very well, don't you think? I think that there are a lot of kindred here, it seems, who are not willing to pay the price along with me. You know, for the better part of several months, I've walked around with a target on my back. A big one. And whatever vestiges of original kind family I had have been basically rubbed out. Burned. Alive. Some of them in front of me. And it's real, real convenient 
for other kindred here who are soaking in the safety of the barony, who are not willing to lift a damn finger, I fucking throw a table. One finger. If the kindred here are not willing to assist me in the fulmination of the plan, the complete decentralization of Camarilla power here, then what good are they other than just another hanger on? No, and I understand that. What I'm going to ask you is if you want me to take more extreme measures to get her to cooperate, because I have ways and you know that. I offered her something very simple at first. I sort of extend a left hand. And so then I decided to offer her something even simpler. Hmm? And too busy being a child. I am not contesting what you have offered. What I'm asking is, do you want me to push her hand? No, I don't. I want her to understand the the truth of the situation she's found herself in. I'll be speaking with, with Chase about it so that he understands the the ramifications of what his child is doing. Because Chase stays here too. And with that, I will leave the room to go up to my office. So, Monica, you've been ushered into a very neat office. Uh, everything's in order. It's very minimalist. Fits Katerina. And Jean has just stood outside the door for a few minutes, leaving you to pace or fidget or whatever it is Monica does when she's feeling super anxious. All of the above? Yeah, it's probably going to be all of the above situation. She probably has a nice circuit on the floor that she's circling right now. And she's saying something in Chamaru to that third eye. It's like, you're literally going to get us killed. You know that, right? And the eye just rolls. Of, Of course it does, because that's what she always does. And Katerina comes up the stairs. Jean nods at you, Katerina. Do you need me to stay outside or do you want me to leave? Uh, You may stay outside. This will not take very long. She nods and leans up against the wall. I'm going to look at Monica, who's, you know, probably pacing. And uh, just there's this like lingering gaze that is disappointed in what has just occurred. Sit down. I can't. Sit down. Do not make me do it for you. And she will find the closest chair and she will sit down with eyes facing forward. But per usual, that third eye is on you. It's like, oh, 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 we're just we're just switching out now. That's fine. So with her sitting down, I'm going to like get down on her level on the floor, probably just squatting and looking her straight in the face. You are getting yourself into a situation in which probably not even Chase can save you from at the rate you are going. Because I believe at this point, he will be welcome to stay and you will be forced to go. And that separation, I imagine, is not something that you would want. I asked him for time. Yes, and the time that he gave you for something that was uncomfortable was fine. What he is asking you to do is to go across a bridge, attend a diplomatic meeting, perhaps take notes and deliver a message back to him about the status of kindred society. This is not a hard task. 
and you are making it harder on yourself by thinking that you are either above this task or that you do not need to contribute. You are entering non-optional territory of some kind. There will be hard decisions that must be made. And if you continue down the path that you are on, no one will save you. Her two primary eyes are starting to well with Vitae as she's looking at you. You couldn't possibly understand. And I don't know how to make you or the Baron understand the then position tell me that I'm what you are feeling. What is it that you don't I think asked that for we goddamn understand? time, Katarina? That is all I asked for was time. Yeah, and you have been alive long enough to have been in a concentration camp and suffer. You have had time. You are seeking refuge and you are not in a place where you can ask for more time. You are safe here. I am not safe here. The very fact that I am pinned into this chair right now talking to you is proof that I am not safe here. I don't know what it's going to take for you and Marcus to understand this, but we are not members of this barony. We were not invited here. We didn't choose to come here. We came crawling on our bellies over fire and glass and asked for asylum. Miss Bogdanovich, we are not members of this barony. We are fucking refugees. And I am asking for time. Listen to me. You are essentially an orphan. And I was an orphan. I was lucky enough to have been able to seek refuge and asylum in three different territories at this point. You have no idea the things that I have gone through, the amount of loneliness and isolation that I have dealt with. So you don't get to play a victim and tell me that I don't understand. We are here to help protect you. We are here to give you a family and you are throwing it away. So you may think very carefully about the things that you do next. This is all the time I can give you and I will stand up and walk out. And I think she's just going to pull her knees up to her chest and start crying. And as all that is happening... Marcus, one of your guards on the front door comes in and he hands you an envelope. Where'd this come from? Courier just dropped it off for you, boss. And treat it with suspicion. Doesn't appear to be anything on it. Too small to have anything super dangerous inside. All right, I'll open it. You open this envelope and there's some very elegant stationery inside and written in a very clear, precise calligraphy with what looks like an actual ink pen is a letter. And it says, My dear Baron Voss, while our encounters to date have not been wholly cordial, I have come to respect you as a political operator You clearly have a taste for power, as well as the instincts to accumulate said power. As much as our beliefs may differ, I cannot help but think you are perfectly suited for your role. Although the title of Baron is grand enough, it carries very little actual authority. Your fiefdom is small, and if we are to be brutally honest... Acting as governor of a faction that prides itself on being ungovernable must be 
tiresome. With this in mind, I bring you glad tidings. After some discussion with my colleagues in the Camerata, we have decided to appoint you as Prince of San Francisco. Please let me be the first to congratulate you. There is no need at all for any action on your part. Just think of this as a fait accompli. There has, of course, been resistance, especially amongst the primogens. As some of them deeply resent the appointment of an outsider as their new leader. A few may even be considering robust action, but I am certain those political instincts of yours will show you the path to safety. And don't worry about what your peers in the Anarch movement may think of your new role. I have taken the liberty of contacting some of the more prominent members in the area and telling them that you have the full support of the Camerader and are exactly the kind of leader we have been looking for. That should help you keep your relationship with them lively. Despite my great personal pleasure at your appointment, I am also saddened to be leaving the city at such a volatile moment. It is my understanding that recent actions have riled up both the Sabad and certain kind extremists. Calming these troubled waters will take the kind of careful, considered leadership I have come to associate with you. At a time like this, you will almost certainly have to call upon your allies for help. I only hope that enough of them are still alive or on speaking terms with you to provide you with the support you shall so desperately need. Recent personal experience has shown me how difficult it can be dealing with a building full of sewage. I can only imagine how trying managing a city full of it might prove. My fondest wishes to you, my prince. Your humble servant, William Mallet. And that is where we will end this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. Hope you will tune in to find out what happens next time. Thank you and good night. <laughs>